You know, I was with the cleansing stream. There's people that were going through the discipleship resource on Thursday night, which is all about allowing him into your fears and the things that hold you to release you so you can live. And the topic that I got to speak about, which is pressing on towards the goal. And I asked everyone what the goal was. And I shared how the goal is to become and be the person who says you are. So often we think the goal is to reach lost people, or to be able to prophesy or raise the dead, all that cool stuff that actually can trip you all up if you never really know who he says you are, who you're to be and become. Do you have a vision, meaning do you have sight to see who he says you are? And then do you have the ability to live from that place rather than tripping over yourself because you're always trying to define who you are and you're always trying to take the scriptures from the outside and put them in through memorization, through proclamation, rather than just have them revealed within you. So you spin and sit, and however long it takes, you wait on the Lord for the Lord to do what he said he would do, which is to take his scriptures and bring them to light and life within you. So you know who he is, and you know who you are. You know who you're being and becoming, so everything you do lives from this innermost realm. And you just walk on planet Earth as a son, because male or female, we're all called to be sons. And it was awesome just being able to release this into the room and hopefully that those people heard in a way that built a substance of Christ within them, which then enables them now to live differently to who they were before they entered that time space. And that's my hope for us today. You see, if we don't know who he says we are, then we won't live it. Unfortunately, we won't live it. And, you know, we've been looking at love. And last night I was apprehended by love. And taken into a realm where you see as he sees. And he reminds you of things you already know. And then he says, I want you to speak this because this is the thing that holds my church back. This is the thing that actually holds them from becoming the people that I call them to be and become. And it's deep. So the father wants to do some deep heart surgery today for the purpose of releasing us to be able to live. Some time ago I asked this if I could speak to us as sons. Who can hear when I asked you that question? There was an overwhelming yes that you, and if you weren't here, then this could be your disclaimer because you never gave permission for me to speak to you as a son. And maybe if you are here today for the first time, I ask you the same question. Can I speak to you as to who you really are in Christ? You may have no revelation of that, but I want to speak to you as that so you can hear it as he says it. And I'm hoping the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it so then you can believe and accept it within you so then you would actually live out who you really are 
Because the church would be a radically different organism, wouldn't it? Our lives would be distinctively different if we really all knew who we really were and had the ability to live out that life. He showed me just this week, just again, and he asked me these questions. He said, Greg, do you think my church really want the truth? The truth that makes us free, not the truth that makes us happy or comfortable. They're very different truths. One appeases the flesh, one kills the flesh. One appeases self, one grabs self right around the throat and squeezes the living life out of self till self breathes its last breath and then you're actually able to live the way you've always been called to live and then he said this he said do you really think my church see and measure themselves by me and the standard that I say they are to be living to and so I just leave those questions with you I'm not going to answer those questions for you I know my own conviction of my own heart And I see it all as an opportunity for us to be and become the very demonstration of who he says we're called to be and become. We have the opportunity for those words that we just sung to become our reality so nothing moves us. I read about people who live that, so I know it's possible. I know this does not lie to me, and I know this tells me the truth that will make me free. Can we agree with that? Because this has come from the Word Himself. This is His book, not Isaiah's, not Paul's. It's God's book. So everything in God's book is fully possible for us, for He does not lie to us, and everything He promises, yes and amen. And so there's deep heart surgery required in the church to go to a place that most of us probably don't even know exists. And this is the problem because when you don't know a place exists, you don't know exists. So you live from all you know, never maybe knowing that this other place exists that God wants to bring you to through his power, not through your ability to find it because you can't. Which is also the other problem is that Unless we experience truth, not intellectualize it, we can't know it. Truth is to be experienced in the innermost being. And only the Holy Spirit can bring you and I to the innermost being place. The deep recesses of your spirit, your soul, only he can lead you to that place. To show you what lives in that place. You can add him onto your life on top of that place. You tracking? You can invite him in, as we say, and he comes and sits on top of the innermost being place. So when he gives you a promise like, he who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, it's not going to if he's not in that place, if he's only been on top of, put on top of that place. Tracking with me? He needs to become your innermost being place. And only then are you truly rooted and grounded in love, which gives you the capacity to live out 
what he says. Because apart from that, you will always trip over this thing called self, which is truly what is sitting there, which we are poisoned with the day we are born. It doesn't mean you're not in Christ because Christ, you've invited him in, but he doesn't go into the deepest part of who you are as a human being and fill that void up with himself. And so although you profess things and you say you're able to do things, that place that still has self, it has nothing to do with whether he loves you or not, will still trip you up. You will be like Peter that will say, I can love you and I will live for you and I won't deny you. And then when that place is tested, you will be found out for the purpose of you knowing it exists. Because how on earth do you know it exists if he doesn't take you there to show you? Because his whole goal for the church is for her to become and be who he said she's called to be and to live the way she's called to live. Well, you can't become that and live that if you don't know there's a problem. Because the problem will keep you out of the promise even though you've been promised it. It will always be outside of your grasp. You'll go to grab it and it'll go through your hand. I've just got to try harder. I've just got to figure out a gifting and do these works. I've got to lay my life down as an offering and just do this thing called Christianity. And then I'll find this life that seems to be void of me. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying today? You see, that is a problem, but unless he shows you the problem, you don't know there's a problem, so you keep trying over and over and over and over and over and over and over till you come to the end of that, and that place is a beautiful place. When you try so much, you actually give up. And now you're ready to receive this word that builds you on the inside. There's two ways in this this happens. One, that's one of the ways. When you try so hard to apply the rules and to keep every rule and to be a good Christian and try to see the world change and try through giftings to raise the dead and try and try and try and you realize, look, I saw the dead raised. I prophesied. I saw the lost one. I saw those healed, but I'm still void of life on the inside. What's going on, God? Can anyone hear me? Man, it's an issue in the body of Christ. I'm going to speak to you like an apostle today. Know the cap I am putting on. It is of an apostle of a father of this house. And we need to know the problem so we can seek the solution and start to live not like Peter of the Gospels, but Peter of the Epistles. Do you want to live like Peter of the Epistle? Then there is an issue that needs to be addressed possibly in your heart. Is that okay? I love you. Everything I'm about to tell you comes from the place that I love you. The Father loves you. Cool? But this is not an issue about love. This is about actually knowing love. 
You see, it's not whether you know he loves you, it's knowing love. It's got to go deeper than, I know he loves me. Yes, he does. And he wants you to know love. Where? In the innermost being, the hidden part of your very being that you can never know that place unless the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, takes you deep into that place and the root of self gets ripped out because it's still there because you've only added him on because you haven't yet come into this amount of life because the Spirit hasn't taken you there, but he wants to take you there through your surrender and your submission and your acknowledgement that I'm not able to live the way you say I'm supposed to. And he will meet you in that place. He longs. He's waiting. His arm is not short. He is not desperate, but he desires all his children to know this love that you cannot contain. It is so high, wide, deep, and long, and it goes beyond all comparison and comprehension. And it's not through the memorization of Scripture. It's through the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit and you experience it within you and it literally changes the inside. You can't intellectualize this thing. You have to experience the reality of it. It's not something you go to school, guys, and learn about. It's something you go to the Messiah and he shows you. He gives you because you turned up and waited. But you're not going, right, I'm here to learn. He goes, no, you're here to receive what I'm about to show you through my power. Let me take you into the spiritual realm in the spirit. Did not John say, I was taken into the spirit? To see everything that's in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to take us and show us the spirit reality of our own heart today. Why? So you and I can know this overwhelming love that is patient, kind, gentle. It's not jealous. It doesn't hold an account of wrong when suffered. It believes It endures. It hopes all things and it can't be moved. Do you want that? Then you have to allow yourself and the Holy Spirit to show you who is still at the core of who you are, you or him. And you have to cover this with love to be able to go there. Otherwise, fear will have you running for the door. Because you can't stand naked in front of the created one because you don't feel comfortable in your absolute nakedness. Yet he tells you to come before his throne boldly with grace, power, because the power brings you before him because you don't care anymore about how you look. Because you've been ripped of you, out of you, never to live from that place again and to live from him in you. Which is the great mystery the Apostle Paul was given the ministry to preach. Which is what they all were looking for in the Old Testament. And it was given to the Apostle 
Christ in you, the hope of glory, is not just fancy words on a page. It's a reality to be experienced continuously, to be perfected in Christ in you. Do you think if Christ is full in you, overflowing, that anyone can move you? His word tells me when that happens, fear leaves, never to come back. You see, it's not fear today, set free of fear, gone, and it's back tomorrow. It's like when he gives you a brand new mind. You don't then have that thought again. See, this complete work that Paul said in Colossians, I come to present the church complete in Christ. I want the church to be complete with Christ in her, in her heart and in her mind. That either excites you, bores you, threatens you, makes you feel incredibly insecure, or inspires and encourages you and delights you to awaken you to something that you're not in yet, or are coming into more. That you would leave all things, put them down, and go, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. How do you leave your first love if you know that? You've left it because you don't know it. Because you've gotten snared with works. Works have become your life source, not the one of the works. Come with me to 1 Corinthians 13. The title of this today is called Works Without Love Are Worthless. Works without love are worthless. This does not mean all works are worthless. The works that God inspires, lead, empowers, ordains are full of worth. The works that man tries to do from lovelessness is worthless. This is massive, okay? This is not a little point. This is absolutely catastrophic, humongous, that the body of Christ need to hear in a way that would change her and allow her to live completely different. So when she gets to a judgment seat, she doesn't hear all your works were useless and he burns them. You are saved, but everything you did goes in that way. This is why Paul took the time to write to the Corinthians and what we're going to look at is him stating something so clearly, simplistically, if you have ears to hear it. And I don't mean just hear what I'm saying. I mean to truly hear what is being declared from my spirit to your spirit. So we've been looking at love, haven't we? 16 attributes of love. 16 aspects of Jesus Christ, the Father. They all find their way back to him because he is the substance of love before love is in action. But because love is who he says he is and who he is, then love has to act because it doesn't know how to do anything but different but those 16 attributes and more. 
And if that love, the Bible tells me, is being perfected in me, then I'm able to become like Christ, which means I'm becoming like love. And that means I'm able to demonstrate the same reality that he did while he walked the earth, because he was a man who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and emptied himself, becoming a bondservant, which is what I'm called to become. Which Paul said he was a bondservant. Peter, 1 Peter 2 said he's a bondservant. James said, I'm a bondservant. You'll see everyone acknowledging a bondservant and able to live this life that we are called to live as well because we are brothers and sisters all together, the church, which they were, yes. So there's been no gap between the guys you read about and your life. We should be able to put our names in here. Tracking? Because they were disciples, we want to be a disciple, don't we? And a disciple wants to be like the master. So when he says to you, what have you got to say on behalf and represent my father from heaven as an ambassador, what do you say? Because you're becoming an ambassador from heaven and you know who you are. Cool? Because what we're going to look look, look at has been ripped out of you. So listen to these words from this great apostle in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I, he's identifying himself, speak with the angels, sorry, speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's verse 1. He is clearly simply identifying a reality, correct? If I speak in tongues, speak with angels, but don't have 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7 love in me, operating from that, I'm just spouting stuff and I'm a noisy gong. It would be like getting Darren up here and go, Darren, smash the cymbal. How many people would hang around for that? That's what we're like. Problem is, we don't think we are. We can think we're like, look at me, I'm speaking in tongues. Look at me, had a Honda, all that stuff. <laughs> oh, look at me and my prophetic gift. Aren't I amazing, man? Look at this. He's going, you're just a gong, Simna. Problem is, Simna doesn't know he's a gong because he thinks more highly of himself than he ought to. Because he hasn't yet been brought into this reality because he's only layered Christ on top of self. So everything I'm doing, I'm operating from the motive of self, going, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Of course, I don't think that. We never think that. This is what he's saying. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. It's hard to swallow, isn't it? Not when you've been taken to the place of being emptied from yourself. No, it's not. You go, yes and amen, Lord. What a beautiful truth. Smash me more with it because it's not smashing me, it's building me. What about the third thing he says? Because he gives us three things to make this point really clear. He doesn't want us to miss it. Okay? And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, 
It profits me nothing. Man, I wonder how much of Christian works would be laid to the side if that became the standard. How much pressure would be released off us if that became the standard? Every leadership model you've sat under that says, come on, let's go out there, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We'd be free from. Hear me? There are works to be done. I'm not saying that. What I'm talking about is the operating system that inspires, leads, and drives all these works that he is telling me are completely useless and pointless if I am not yet in love, have love at the innermost being place of me, and living my life from that place, being able to do what I'm actually firstly commanded to do, which was love. Then it is a complete waste of time until I get to that place. Now, the Father can use all of that stuff to bring you to this place. Can you hear me? He can take you and your mindset, like he did the disciples, and said, Chris, come follow me. And they are a classic example of those three verses, are they not? They even saw things happen when he gave them authority to go and do it. But then when they were left to their own devices, they got in trouble, didn't they? And the ultimate picture of Peter is not actually abling himself able to do what he says he can do. Because at his root system, he still was there. And unless you go through what I'm about to say, you will have you at your root system too. And that is why you're unable at the moment to live the life he calls you to. Because ultimately, self resides in your innermost being. Even though you may have prayed a prayer in words, in power, it didn't happen. In power. The word of God created creation, yes? Hebrews 11.3. The word of God is full of power. The word of God, the power of God, by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says it's the power unto salvation, the cross, does it not? We need to know what this actually means in reality, not what we think it means in intellectualization. So when we acknowledge Christ, there needs to be a power that comes into us called the Word of God that pierces our innermost being and releases us from us. If that hasn't happened yet, then it hasn't happened yet. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay because you're in his family because he loves you. But there's still a greater work that needs to happen in your innermost being. And this is why he's trying to say to you, be fully surrendered, fully submitted before you're ever committed. You must be surrendered because otherwise you will tell him what you're going to do. So you'll be like this. You'll go, well, I speak in tongues. I lay hands on sick people. I move mountains. Look what I can do using your name. He goes, yeah, can you love yet? Are you patient yet? Do you have the being attitudes within you yet called the kingdom of God, which is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit? Can you actually do the basics, which are not basics, but they're basics yet? Or are you looking for the signs and wonders trip? Because you know what? With a gift and a calling, you can do that. 
because I don't take it back, but still not find yourself with this internal, inner DNA nature of God thing. I want it all, do you? But I understand there's a divine order to it all. I want to be a man that God uses to see blind eyes open. But I don't want to get to the end of my judgment and say, that was great, son, but you never actually loved me. And you didn't love people the way I commanded and taught you to because you were too much time trying to go fix everyone else or see this happen, and you didn't spend enough time being changed. Because that's not sexy, is it? Let's be honest. That's not cool when God wants to address the issues of your own heart and do surgery in your own heart. You'd much rather he do surgery in someone else's heart. But he actually tells you divine worship is allowing me in and laying your life down. It ain't in singing songs to me. But out of this divine worship will come a song. Make sure you don't get the order around the wrong way. Otherwise, you'll be nothing. You'll profit nothing. And you'll be a noisy and clanging cymbal and gong. I don't want to be that. Anyone else? Are we feeling uncomfortable? It's good. It's good too. When the word of God comes, if we're comfortable, it's not the word of God. So you have to be able to feel the tension and the awe and the reverence and the weight of God's word. Otherwise, it's not the word. If you and I want to be the church that he calls us to and to be able to experience this love within us, we have to stand in the face knowing we're loved and allow him to go to work. That's why they knock you out when you have surgery. Because you wouldn't go through it, would you? So he has to anesthetize you and put you under so the surgeon can actually do the work to make you better. Because no part of self is going to go, yeah, man, open me up. Come on, bring it on. I know I'm dying on the inside, but guess what? You're not getting close to it. It's the same with God. He wants to knock you out. He wants to take yourself out so he can actually go to work. That's why he says worship is the laying down of your life. But you can lay your life down here, be burned, and profit nothing. I'm going to get to that next week. Because I really want to get onto this root issue that holds us. Do you know the context that love is placed here? What does it sit in the middle of? The gifts. How on earth have we ever taken this and started preaching it at weddings is beyond me. <laughs> Why don't we go like this at the wedding? 1 Corinthians 12 says, the use of spiritual gifts. Today we're here to talk about the use of spiritual gifts. And read all spiritual gifts and then say, oh, by the way, now we're going to talk about love. You see, the context for love is in spiritual gifts. Hence, if you don't know love and you use the gifts, you can be a gong, you'll profit nothing, and it means nothing. But what we do is when we don't have eyes and ears to hear and see, we take things out of the context and speak and we feel good. And we miss the entire point. So then what? We can't live the way we're called to live. See, everything he does is he sets us up for a win. Everything he does is for a win, guys. He is the greatest leader, captain of the team, and everything he does, can I say that again, is for you. 
He's not to hurt you. He's not to ruin your fun, young people. He's not trying to steal you from all the things that you think are cool and they're not. They're full of dead stuff. He wants you to know him in a way that frees us all that we can be and become who he says and live. So the root system, works without love are worthless. Why? Because the wrong root system exists still. Self. Do you believe that self can still be your root system even though you have Christ in you? So he needs to deal with it. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. doesn't mean you're not a son. You're all the things he says you are, but there's still a problem. David identified this. Come with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 verses 5. Now, David has just murdered Uriah and committed adultery. This is the context for him writing, okay? He got found out. This is the king that killed Goliath. This is the king that killed a bear. This is the king that God is using to see the nation of Israel advance into the earth. But the king doesn't know something that exists within himself. And he's about to get exposed and shown it by through Nathan by God. And out of it comes a heart cry. What for? For himself and for everybody else that would read this passage and go, oh. So he says this, Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. This is us, correct? Before Christ. We are born with this thing called sin, self, the flesh. It's demonic. And Jesus has to rescue you and that thing out of you and bring you into the kingdom of light and start building the kingdom of light God in you. So we can live the way we're called to live, but none of that I can do. Correct? I can't do any of that, so I don't even try. What I do is I submit and surrender to the work being done. So I acknowledge I can't do any of that work. I can't even discover that. I don't even know that exists. Why do you think lost people say no to God? Because they don't even know that's their true state, do you? Has the Holy Spirit revealed to you your true state before Christ, or do you accept Christ not knowing that and just lay it on top of that level, that reality? It's called incorporating Jesus into your life, not because you are fully surrendered and knew your absolute need for him because that place was crushed, but because you wanted him to come and help you. Maybe you didn't want to go to hell, so you went, I'll take that, thanks. Maybe emotionally you were in a really, really dark place. But that inner round place still never got touched. So it still resided, even though you invited him in, and you are saved, justified by his blood, because he heard that call and he's obedient to that, but that never came into the deep recesses of your very being. Then he says this in verse 6, Behold, you, God, 
desire truth in the innermost being. Is this about doing or being? So all those works that were done that I just read in 1 Corinthians 13, were they done from being or doing? Hence they're burnt up, aren't they? Our doing is just an expression of our being. Every work that we do is to come from our being. Because it comes forth, it's inspired by God, led by God, empowered by God. So every work that we are to do is to be a work of being, not doing. But see, if you don't know that doing place, that being place, you're going to do it all from doing. Wonder why you're so tired. Why am I always at the end of this feeling knackered when Jesus said, I'll give you rest and power so you can keep going like a rocket bunny? I'm not saying you don't need sleep, but what's in you is fueling and overflowing. So John 7, 38, what does it say in the New Testament? It's saying the same thing. He who is fully convinced, believes in me, as the scripture declares from their innermost being flow rivers of the word of God, Jesus. Don't read rivers of water and don't connect it to Christ. Don't go that separated from Christ. He is the truth. So when it says this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. You desire Christ. Christ completed every law of the prophet and Psalms and said, I am the way. I am the truth. It's not a process. I am life. And if you're in me and I'm in you and the deep rests, then you are rooted and grounded in me. You become a tree and the root system is grounded in what? Love. So if you're rooted in love, do you think you cannot but help but love? It's not even a choice. You can't contain God in you. That's why you are immovable. Can you hear the full position I'm trying to prophesy? And we're probably going, oh. and that's Okay. It's okay to take a gulp and go, oops, because he loves you. He wants you to come into it. It's just he's showing you your true maturity in the spirit for the purpose of maturing. It's not to condemn you. It's not to smash you. How on earth can you become if you don't know there's an issue? Won't you just always be who you've always been and expect a different result? Yes, so you have to be made fully aware through the truth being proclaimed, the true state of where the issue lies, so then you can repent and receive life, not try and learn it, receive it, and go, man, I can live something that I never did. It's phenomenal. So this is what David is saying. Why? Because Nathan, who, man, this man was a peacemaker. Think about this. This man who knows, who gets the word from the Lord, stands before the king, who is a warrior, a killer, and can grab his hair and lob his head off. What word are you bringing to me? Off with your head. He could be killed like that, but he loves the Father. He has the word of the Father. 
He's laying his life down for his brother David because he's seeing and he's putting his own life at risk. See what love enables? Well, aren't we told to lay our lives down for one another? By that you'll know they're my disciples. So if we're not, we're not disciples, are we? We've got to go here. Otherwise, life just continues. Christianity's boring. And we just keep turning up and there's no real change. And we really live these lives that are little, with little faith, and we never get to come into within us and have demonstrated through us this manifold wisdom of heaven that God said you can know. So he has to send people and be part of families who go, who have journeyed somewhere and gone, hey, because look what David says. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Who is wisdom? Jesus Christ. Who is the power? Jesus Christ. So wisdom in you comes out of you. The manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians, will be expressed in the church, through the church, and the heavenly realm will take note. Why? Because the root system of self has been ripped out. What from? Intellectualization? No. Memorization of scriptures? No. Through doing works for God? No. Through submission and surrender to God, to his power, and the acknowledgement because you got to the end of you and realized it don't work without you. Here's the problem. There are still multiple expressions that are trying. And you can get caught up in those multiple expressions because what I'm saying doesn't make any sense to your logical mind. No, it won't. So then you go and place yourself where flesh speaks to flesh and you have oneness called conformity to the flesh. Because the flesh and the spirit are opposing each other. And when he says, I want to do heart surgery, he means it because the heart is the place of understanding, not the mind. So we need to be re-rooted. Self hides in the innermost being place, the inner recesses of our hearts having its way. That does not mean that you can't preach the gospel. You can. That does not mean you can't lead the music team into God's presence. You can. You can do all those things. Does this not say that? Through gifting? Do you know gifting is not the sign of maturity? Miracles, signs and wonders, raising the dead, moving mountains is not the evidence you are mature. What is? having the divine nature of God built in you called the fruit of the Spirit and living that out. That is the evidence of your maturity. Then you know how to handle the gift. If you're immature, you don't know how to handle the gift, so you use the gift to build your own ministry. That's how you get these individual plans, individual ministries, individual things that are supposed to be part of a body, but they spend more time out of the body building their individual ministries. And yet God gave the gifts to build the house, but the house isn't built because everyone's building individual ministries. 
And we go, yes and amen to it. All the gifts out of the house, if you're here and listening, you've got to get back into the house. Because the gift was given to build the house. So why is the house struggling? Because all the gifts are out of the house trying to build their own lives because they have not yet had self rooted out of them. I feel like yelling into the earth at the top of my voice. (laughs) He walks with me. Some guys have to put up with me. My wife lives with me. Pray for my wife. You can all run away from me. You can turn me off. You can take me off your whatever. But my beautiful wife has to live with me. The Christ in me. And the greater the Christ in me. That is not easy. I don't know if I could do it with me. (laughs) Just to lighten the load a little bit. But it's real. And it's weighty. Because it needs to be. If I'm going to stand there and nothing's going to bowl me over. Death, loss, income loss. Nothing can separate me. Why? Because of this life in me. But I didn't put it in me. I surrendered to it. So it's possible in all of us. Through the understanding of the entire way God does everything. But if self has not yet been rooted out of you. Because the Holy Spirit takes you to that place. And he shows you that your insecurities and your fears are still rooted in Self. It's not who you are in Christ. Can you hear the difference? Okay. There's you in Christ, and then there's this thing called self. Sin. It's poisoned you. This is who you were without Christ. Then you said, Come in, and I want you to be Lord. He goes, Okay, I do. They both then exist. This is not, this is the old, this is the new. But this can still be at the inner core of you. And so this is where fear, pride, all those things come up. And then because it doesn't want to die, it tells you run. It has a voice. It says, get the out of here, man. Why? Because this thing is going to kill me. Go and hang over that side and say, the Lord said go. Because then they can't argue with that. And then you stay the same. You have cancer all through you. The guy's about to do the surgery and you wake up and you bolt off the altar, the operating table. And then you die and you wonder why you were dead. Can you hear how serious this is? This is why there's this love that's patient with us. It has to be, guys. Me, it has to be kind. It has to be long-suffering. It's not just long, it's long. And it never runs out. Because there's a rerouting of love. Just come to Ephesians 3. What's the time? I'll wrap it up. Ephesians 3. 14, this 
is the process in which you get rerouted. But you can't reroute yourself. You need to hear that. This is how you get rerouted through revelation of the Holy Spirit's power, but you can't reroute yourself, so don't even try. Just say, Holy Spirit, I need to be rerouted. If you know that what I'm talking about is you, meaning it's not who you are in Christ, but if self is still at the core of who you are, then just acknowledge it. He knows it, and he's waiting, but he won't move upon your acknowledgement, your confession of it. So it says this, this is Paul, Ephesians 3, the man that was used by God because he went from Saul to Paul. That's why he's able to write the 13 books. He's declaring a revelation and a reality. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? Verse 1 to 13. Go read 1 to 13. That's why he bows his knee. Because I've been given a ministry to bring this to light. Okay? From whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. You are no longer your natural surname. We are no longer to be the natural. We all have the same name. His name is Jesus Christ. Yeah? I don't identify myself as a simnor anymore. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the culture I live to. That is who I want to become like. Not like my earthly father. As good as he was, as awesome as he was, I want to become like my heavenly father. I have a brand new name, being set free from the physical, identity of the physical into the identity of the spiritual. That he, God, listen to this, he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that God would grant the church according to the riches of God's glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit. The power is in the Holy Spirit, not in your strength. That's what needs to die. Your human strength needs to come to the end of itself, its will that wants to live. So God, Paul, is crying out to heaven, and he's saying, God, I'm on my knees, that God, you would grant the church according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with your power through your spirit in the inner most being place that your power would come and go straight into the heart of man and pierce the inner most hidden place that they would be released from themselves like I was as Saul what happens guess what happens when that happens so that Christ might Dwell, always, permanent, reside in the innermost being place. Those who believe, as the scriptures say, from their innermost being will flow Christ. Christ comes out because he dwells and resides in you because he's building himself in you and we are being perfected in love. So be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect, becomes real and a reality. So he says being rooted, oh sorry, that Christ may dwell in your minds or hearts. Hearts, the place of understanding, the place of life through faith, which is the absolute conviction of what you know, because God has to give us faith. 
And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, which is information, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. That's ours waiting to be realized by many. It's a road less traveled. Because we think if we prophesy, raise the dead, reach the lost, speak in tongues, that's what it's about. As a primary purpose. Can you see how it's not the primary purpose of the church? The primary purpose is is to know God and to have God in you so then you can love like God and then do these works that are what? Inspired, led and empowered by God. There is an absolute divine order to the way heaven works. And if you step outside of it, then you will enter into flesh works and you will wonder why this you are void of life. The challenge is you can see people raised from the dead and that could hoodwink you into thinking you're in life. So you can raise the dead and still deny the truth. Ooh. See why you need life in you to free you so that nature which is still self doesn't happen so we have to go beyond incorporating Jesus which is where many in the body of Christ sit because I know that because God showed me it's not that great when he shows you stuff But he gives you this grace to handle it so it doesn't become heavy, but it's weighty. And then he says, speak. And then you're just left with an opportunity. So there is no pressure here to do anything of what you've heard today. It's given so you have an opportunity to know about a realm that if you choose to, you can go after. If you don't, you will not be loved less here. You will not be thought of any differently here. But God is building this church and she is moving forward. Because he's preparing a bride unto himself because just because we don't go after it doesn't mean he's not coming. So he invites us to be ready. He doesn't make us ready. Same with here. We're inviting us as a family to get ready So when he turns up, you're not running around looking for what you should have got ready for, your gown and your bits and your bobs like the five foolish ones because then it's too late. This is what all this means, guys. And so as your father, I want to tell you the truth so you can hear it and know of a reality that's for you. So if you choose to, 
you can turn and walk a completely different way to the way you may have been walking today when you walked in here. And if you're a guest here with us today, that same invitation is for you as well. Because it's his body, not mine. It's his church, not mine. I'm just the son of this house that has a grace gift on his life to minister that grace. We need all the giftings ministering for us to be this body. That's why we're looking at the gifts Sunday night, because to not know why the gifts are given would be to not know why you're the church. Everything we do here is intentional, guys. It's not because we just do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. We don't put on meetings or discipleship for just because that's what you do. Mate, I tell you, I wouldn't be here. I'd be living for me if that was the case. Plenty of other things I could be doing than teaching stuff if we're not there for the reason why we're there. I'm sure you're the same. So let's, I'm going to pray. And I want to thank him again because he's so good. Father, I thank you that your word is powerful. Your word is love. Your word covers us while it builds us, while it breaks us, while it blesses us. And we're all in different realities, which is so dynamic. But you see every heart, you know every heart, you know every mind, you know every person before they were. And you know exactly where you're trying to get us as a body and as individual as we agree with you and say yes and amen. You will perfect the work you've started. And so Lord, I pray today if we need this work started in our innermost place, that we would seek you for it. That we wouldn't just stay the same and go, that was great, feel the weight of it and move on. But we would genuinely seek you and ask you as our teacher to reveal if there is a work that needs to be done that enables us. And if we have already transitioned there, Lord, then Lord, just may we continue to sit at your feet, be found in you, and reveal everything contained in the Son in us that enables our being to be a demonstration of you. An absolute reflection and expression as if it was literally you doing it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.